I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. So welcome back. We are looking at continuing our countdown. We started at number 25 and we are working our way to number one. That is the top NBA basketball players who are currently playing. And we're taking it from about 2013 or so or 2012, 2013 to the present. So as we've talked about before, some people are obviously on the downslope and some people are obviously are still climbing are going to continue to get even better and sometimes that's a scary thought folks but for some of these folks i can't wait you know i can't wait but like for example my number four was was Giannis. i mean this guy is going to only get better god willing and he stays healthy and so basketball is is, is doing well and guess what they are coming back i know you said they just had their rather abbreviated season and championship in which they crowned the Los Angeles Lakers. But December 22nd, folks, the NBA will start again. And for some teams, they haven't played in a long time, New York Knicks and Washington Wizards and a number of teams. You may say, well, you know, they just finished a few, you know, a couple of months ago. Well, that's true. But they're all now in camp. And they are working out and getting themselves ready for the start of a new season that will start unlike the normal new season or the beginning of a season, which would be usually October, November-ish, while they're getting started in December. So they'll be ready, folks. Guess what? They'll be ready for those Christmas games. And that will will, uh, obviously be a joy to all basketball fans, myself, and obviously you too, right, Gary? Can't wait for that, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can't wait for the Christmas games. But real quick, I want to touch on a trade that just happened a few hours ago. Oh, okay. And that was, you know, you brought up the team, and that was the Wizards as they traded John Wall for Russell Westbrook, and a first-round pick was sent to Houston. John Wall was obviously sent to Houston as well. What do you think about that trade? Wow. So, so let me get this right now. So the Wizards – Gave up John Wall, but they had to give a another player as well to get Westbrook. No, so it was a no, two for one. No, no, just a first round pick because John Wall's coming off of his Achilles injury, and they don't know so, if he's going to be the same player. So it is two for one then. So the the, the Houston Rockets will get John Wall and a first round draft pick in the future. Correct. Two for one for Westbrook, who would go over to the Washington Wizards. Interesting. That's an interesting trade. It's a, uh, you know, when you when you have a great player like Russell Westbrook, we talked about him on previous shows as being one of the, uh, to both of us, one of the greatest players of all time and also being high on our list of the current great basketball players. For him to be moving out, we all know that he wanted to leave. Yeah, he made that very clear. He wanted to get out of there. Quite frankly, I guess just about everybody wants to get out of Houston right now. But as far as basketball is concerned, it's a lovely city. But I tell you, Gary, <laughs> whenever you see two players going for one, it's kind of a slap in the face. But then again, you know, John Wall hasn't played in a couple of years. So maybe 
you know, Houston said, we got to hedge our bets. You know, let's say that God willing, John Wall is going to be the same John Wall. But when you've had the, the types of injuries that he's had over a very short period of time, almost every year, you start to get a little concerned. And there's, there's no reason why a general manager shouldn't be a little concerned. God willing, he's going to be 100%. But with a player like John Wall, who, who relies heavily on his jumping ability and his great speed, any type of leg injury is something that uh, you have to also be extremely, extremely concerned with. And just being uh, being stale, not, not bouncing a basketball, playing against competition for quite a period of time is also something you have to be concerned with. And he may play kind of gingerly initially. So, And also the fact that because he has been injured so often, he's going to play a little gingerly. He's going to be a little bit timid out there. That's just just a fact you know it's not, it's not something that you would want to hold against a person i remember gary quite frankly switching sports for a second there was this guy by the name of tony conigliero who led the american league in home runs his, his second or first or second year and everyone had him as the next joe dimaggio or whatever and he got hit in the head and he was never the same and his career just basically ended and uh, you know elgin baylor you know one of the greatest players of all time uh, yeah, he was getting up there in age, and he tore his Achilles tendon, packed it in. That was it. And so it's it's sometimes an injury you know, could determine your fate as far as your ability to continue to play. God willing, once again, I say that again for John Wall. Hopefully that will not be the case because he is a very exciting player. Uh, when he was a very exciting player in his prime. We hope that that will continue. But as I was saying before, if I were Houston, I would do the same thing. You know, bottom line, I, I want another player. You know, <laughs> I want... I want, uh, yeah, first round draft pick because um, Westbrook is that good and he has many more years left in the tank. And uh, you do need to have that security of having a first round pick that you can select yourself. And John Wall coming back 100%, that would be just great, quite frankly. And they play the same position, so you really don't need two John Walls. So the bottom line of it is, if they just traded Westbrook and John Wall being on the same team wouldn't really make that much sense, quite frankly. So trading away Westbrook, I mean John Wall, and still getting a draft pick is something that uh, you know Houston would definitely need. So I think from the perspective of the fact that Russell Westbrook did not want to come back, and from the perspective of John Wall is um, an inter- you know it's it's questionable how well he's going to be able to perform this year. As probably was good for both teams, and plus let's not forget. It's not John Wall's team anymore. Even in his latter days, uh, before his last injury, you know, the team had evolved and it evolved into a team that truly was owned by their superstar who averaged about 29 points a game this past year, this abbreviated season. He had Bradley Bill averaging about 26 points a game, 25.6 to be exact, shooting over 81% from the free throw line, 48% from the field, 35% from the three-point line getting about five rebounds a game. And then, as I said earlier, in the the 2019-2020 season, abbreviated as it may be, for only 57 games, he averaged 30.5 points a game. So that's in the, uh, you know, not many people hit 30 points a game average uh, in in a basketball season. I don't care if you're playing high school, college, whatever. And he did so by upping his free throw percentage to about 84% getting an amazing 6.1 assist because he did not get any assist prior 
to uh, the last couple of years, he was averaging around two assists a game, two to three assists a game. And now he's getting about six assists a game. So the team had really evolved anyhow away from John Wall. And they, not that they were bosom buddies when they played together, because they weren't. So it's it's probably the best for the Wizards. And it's definitely, uh, I think, good for Westbrook as well as John Wall. So overall, I think it's a, it's a good deal. So I agree with you on a lot of things that you said. First of all, the reason why the trade had to happen is because John Wall gets paid so much money. Mm. He has probably mm. the worst contract in the NBA. And or Russell the best, Westbrook depending on one's perspective. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he sorry. will tell you he has the best deal <laughs> ever. And he's thanking Rich Paul every single day uh, for that deal. But Russell Westbrook probably has the third worst deal in the NBA. And that's just because of the way they play the game. The game is built off of athleticism, and unfortunately, as you get older, your athleticism starts to dissipate just a little bit, and both of them are not great shooters. So I think this is a great trade for the Wizards. You know, I'm going to focus on the Wizards right now. First of all, Russell Westbrook's going to be back with his old coach, Scott Brooks, which is a good or bad thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Good point. Good point. Bradley Beal could play without the ball, and I believe Bradley Beal made both of our top 25 lists, and he deserves to. But the main reason, you know, it's just it's just this Russell Westbrook is a better player than John Wall and he's healthy. So that's why it's a great trade for the Wizards. And now they are a they're a playoff team. You know, I'm not expecting them to go too far in the postseason, but they are a you know, they are a playoff team. They could actually be the fifth seed um, in the Eastern Conference as their ceiling. And that'd be great for the Wizards because they haven't been competitive in what, four or five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the Rockets, I don't know what they're doing. If I'm James Harden, I'm asking for a trade, and I'm making it public because John Wall is not going to help your team. He's not going to help your team at all. And it's not because he's not a great player. It's because he does the exact same thing Russell Westbrook does, but worse. <laughs> and he's coming off of an injury. So I don't know why would you even want to make that move. I guess they really want to make for Russell Westbrook wanted out of Houston. But now you got another guy who wants out of Houston. So. <laughs> Maybe they're playing for that first round draft pick. Maybe that's what I I agree with everything you just said, and it makes no sense from that from the perspective that you just made. But you know there is that wild card, and the wild card is, yeah, if you do pretty poorly next year, Houston Rockets, you know you could get a. Um, I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. The Wizards have yeah. to do poorly for them to be able to get a good player, and that that's not going to happen. I agree with you. I think the Wizards could potentially be a playoff team. You know, not high up there i'm not sure if they'd be number five but but they'd be a playoff team but still you know you could be playing for that that number one draft pick being uh you know being a player that would be a great player it could be the eighth pick or not the eighth pick could be, if they're in the lottery it'd be a lot, lot lower than that but if you get a good draft pick you know maybe that could help them but i agree i don't know what houston is doing i think that now wait. A disaster. wait let's backtrack for a second i think the rockets are a playoff team still you know i don't I don't think the Rockets are a terrible, terrible basketball team. I just don't think they got any better. And if they're trying to win a championship and keep James Harden, that wasn't the move. But I still think they're a playoff team. You know, if John Wall's healthy, they're a playoff team. But they're not, you know, they're probably the eighth seed. Good point. Yeah, probably the eighth seed. Okay. I think the West is just so tough, though, Gary. I I think they're going to. I still believe in Phoenix. I think the Phoenix Suns, I think Booker and those guys, I think they're going to surprise some folks. I think that the West is just extremely, extremely tough. And to me, if you got a James Harden who doesn't want to be there, I, I, 
I think eventually he, he turned down like what fifty million dollars to stay there or something like that. I think it's just inevitable that they're going to have to unload him because if you can't sign someone to the highest contract in the history of sports, you know that tells you that he really, 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 really wants out. So Westbrook may have been pouting and saying he wanted out, but when someone turns down fifty million dollars for one year's basketball, that really screams that get me out of here, please. And so I, I don't I don't see him keeping um, Harden. And with that being the case, I don't see them being, the, you know, they're going to struggle next year. I think they're going to really struggle. I want to change this topic just real quick. And I want to congratulate Steph Curry because he uh, now has his own brand within Under Armour, which is a very big deal because there's only one other player that has that, and that's Michael Jordan. So the fact that now Steph can probably sign his own players to his own brand in Under Armour is a really big deal. Mm. And and I'm very surprised that LeBron James didn't do this sooner. But apparently he came out and said that he wants to sign Luka to his, to his first shoe contract, which I don't know why he would do that. But, you know, I want to throw that in there as well because I think it's a really, really important thing. And it's a big deal that Steph Curry has his own brand now. No, I I agree. I didn't know that, Gary, and that's uh, that is outstanding. And kudos to uh, go out to uh, Steph Curry. Well, good segue, Gary, because I have Steph Curry as my number three current basketball player playing the game today. Love the guy. I mean, he started out as a six-one guard from Davidson College. Who prior to his arrival, I I'm not sure if it. Oh, I know that people would remember Lefty. Some people who are very old, like me, Lefty Drussell. Lefty Drussell was the coach of Davidson College, going back in the day, Gary, when I was uh, in high school, I believe. And Lefty Drussell, uh, who went on to the University of Maryland and recruited me from the University of Maryland when he was over at Maryland, when he was trying to turn Maryland into the UCLA of the East. Well, he was the only person known as far as basketball would be concerned in Davidson College, until <laughs> Steph Curry arrived. And he took this school that probably has like two or 3,000 students, and he put them on the map from a college perspective and earned a, a first-team consensus All-American selection in his last year. And then his, I think, sophomore year of the year, 2008, he was second-team All-American. He led the NCAA in scoring in 2009. Uh, he just put them on the map. And then from, from day one in the NBA, he's just been remarkable. But I would say from day one, he's been remarkable. But yes, but every year, he's gotten better. He's gotten bigger. He's gotten stronger. He's gotten smarter, if that's possible, because I think he's always been a very smart player. And he's a player who you have to just love because he works on his game and it shows. I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of Steph Curry. I mean, without question, you know, one of the top, if not the top shooter of all time, as far as his, his ability to simply do one thing, put the ball in the basket from distance. Now, I'm not talking about Will Chamberlain just dunked the ball all the time or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with his skyhook. With all due respect to those great players, Steph Curry can hit his shot from anywhere on the court. And as he would prove constantly before and or after a game, he can also hit it off the court. In other words, he could be walking to the locker room and throw the ball up and the ball will still find its way through the net. It's just a remarkable play. But we know, Gary, that you don't shoot like that because someone gives you a shooting just like, oh, I had to give you a shooting touch. No, it doesn't work like that. It works by your practicing your butt off. And that's what he has done. So you have to admire that. 
And you don't shoot nearly 93, 94% from the free throw line unless you practice a whole lot of free throws every single day. That's the only way it happens. It's not through any osmosis or anything like that, or hocus pocus or anything like that. It's from hard work. And his ability to handle the ball, revival to me, any player who ever played for the Harlem Globetrotters, I'm talking about Curly, I'm talking about Hayes, Marcus Hayes, anybody, he can handle the ball just that well. And he's a winner. I mean, that's, that, that's, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's like the icing on the cake. He wins basketball games and he can help his teammates do well. And he's not a selfish player as well. I mean, he has another guy in his team who we've talked about, Clay Thompson. Hopefully he'll get well soon. Who is also a magnificent shooter. And he doesn't mind sharing the ball with, with anybody. He had Kevin Durant on his team. And he shared the ball. I mean, he, he's, he's just, a, just an unselfish player, a great player, great shooter, yes, but also gets his share of assists. And he has a nose for the ball. There's, t- there's times in which he's, I think one year he led the NBA in steals. He plays a very smart game. And I'm very proud of him to be able to uh, step outside of the ba- basketball realm, so to speak. I know sneakers have to do with basketball. But still, as a business person, to have that basketball deal, the sneaker deal, Gary. So I, I, I think that's just uh, it's outstanding. I can go on and on about Steph Curry. You know, he led the league in scoring one year in 2016, a member of the 50-40-90 club. What is that? Shoot 50% from the field, 40% from three, and 90% from the free throw line. Now, Ben Simmons, I'm not asking you to do that, okay? You're not, you know, I'm not asking you to do that. Okay, no, 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 no. Just improve, just practice, but... You know, that's just remarkable. He won the three-point shooting contest in 2015. Uh, just a host of awards that he's won over the years. Three-time champion. As I said before, he's a winner. 15, 17, 18, they won the NBA championship, and he was an integral part of each one of those championships. Though they didn't give him the MVP award for them, but still, that's another story. Two-time MVP of the NBA in 15, 16. Very few people have repeated back-to-back like he has. Six-time All-Star, All-NBA, three times first team, two times second team, one time third team. Fun guy. We also enjoy his family, especially his kids who uh, find their way on TV from time to time as well. Um, So he's my number three. And um, I once again uh, hope that they all can stay healthy, Golden State, because it's so important that they have a, a Golden State in the in the running for a championship, Gary. They're an exciting team. They're a reason to stay up late to see a team play. They're on the West Coast. They're exciting. They enjoy what they're doing. It shows on their faces. It shows in the way they play. And I see even greater things ahead for Steph Curry on the basketball court in the years ahead. Well, I agree with you. Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors are needed in the NBA. Uh, They are the most exciting team for me to watch. And even when Kevin Durant was on the team, and I know a lot of people who don't like Kevin Durant didn't like this era of basketball, but that was the best basketball that I've seen probably, you know, in my lifetime, because the way that they moved the basketball, the way that they shared the basketball, the cutting, and the fact that they were able to play small ball with Kevin Durant at seven feet tall, who's really like a shooting guard, was just great to watch. And even now when Kevin Durant's not there, now they have James Wiseman, 
it's really sad, you know, that Clay Thompson uh, is going to be out this season because that team is definitely a team that I, that I felt like could have competed for a championship this season. I understand why you have Steph there. Steph is in my top five, but for me, Steph's not a good enough defender to be in the top four, and I had Giannis at four. I'll be if you did as well, mm-hmm. but also I want to throw in there as well, and you, and you missed this. He's the only unanimous MVP. Mm. Mm. NBA history, and that's a big, big yes, deal. it is. So, my number three is a guy that I was very upset that he had so low on your list, and that's Kawhi. Leonard. Uh, Kawhi Leonard deserves way more credit than you gave him, especially <laughs> when Paul George is on your team. And anytime Paul George is on your team, playoff P, you deserve more credit because <laughs> you have to deal with playoff P. So, Kawhi Leonard is really so high on this list for me for really one season, and that was. Not last year, but the year before when he was in Toronto. So in the postseason in 2019, when Toronto Raptors won their championship, Kawhi Leonard played 39 minutes. He shot 49% from the floor, 38% from three, and about 84%, I'm sorry, 88% from the free throw line. And he averaged 30 points and nine rebounds. So that right there is one of the greatest playoff stretches, playoff runs. And he's the only guy to make a game-winning walk-off game seven shot. But besides that, Kawhi Leonard is probably when he wants to be, and this is why he's not higher on the list, when he wants to be, he's the best two-way player in basketball. He's won the Defensive Player of the Year award twice, two-time champion, two-time finals MVP, even though that one uh, is a little questionable when he was going against uh, LeBron um, in the Heat in 2014 because he didn't average a lot of points that year. But Kawhi Leonard is the mid-range assassin, and he's also the quiet assassin. He's very quiet. He doesn't say too much, and that's probably probably the reason why he doesn't get his credit or his just due, because he doesn't say a whole lot to the media. But even last year, um, in 57 games, he averaged 27 points and 7 rebounds. So Kawhi Leonard is a phenomenal two-way player, and he deserves more respect than you were giving him before because there's really nothing Kawhi Leonard cannot do on the basketball court. He just needs a little more help from Paul George. So for me, Kawhi Leonard deserves to be in the top three spot. Okay. Okay. I respect that, Gary. And I I do think highly of Kawhi Leonard in his last uh, two seasons, 2018, 2019, one was a championship season. And he averaged about 26.6 points a game. And last year's abbreviated 57-game season, he averaged 27 points a game, 27.1 to be exact. So he's averaged around 27 points a game in his last two two years, which is, uh, you know, outstanding. His overall career scoring average is not all that impressive, but that's because he started slowly. He started with San Antonio playing only 24 minutes a game back in his rookie year, and then he got up to 31 minutes a game. So you're going to average around 8 points a game or 11 points a game like he did. So that's going to hurt your overall career scoring average. But in, in the last few years, there's no question that this is a guy who is still going up. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. Let me add one more thing mm-hmm. real quick, because you mentioned this as well with Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. And we're giving guys, you know, credit for this is improving throughout yep. their career. When Kawhi Leonard first got to San Antonio, he cannot make a jump shot to save his life, and now he's the best mid. He's one of the top two or three mid-range shooters in the NBA. He's a great free throw shooter now, and he's also more confident as a player now. When he first came into the league, he was not a confident player at all. I give him a lot of credit for that. I do too, Gary. I do too. I, I think that really. For me, the the top four or five players on my list, they all work their butts off. I mean, there's you know, Giannis started as this long, lanky kid who uh, 
look awkward, but look like he could possibly be a basketball player. And look what happened. <laughs> you know, this guy's like, he can handle the ball well now. He can jump out of the you know, So you admire that. And, and this, I agree with you about Leonard. He was just a, uh, you know, the guy with big hands that could play defense. I mean, that was about it. He came off the bench six men. I mean, you didn't really think that much of him, even in college. Yeah, he was good. Second team All-American. He was good, but yeah, he went, ah, okay. But now you're right. His mid-range is probably the best in the, in the NBA. I know some people may say, how about the, how about the Rosa or about, I'm not even going to mention that Paul G guy. But they may, they may you know, want to put someone else in that mix. But no, he has proven it. He has, he has proven that as far as the mid-range jump shot, he is deadly. And as far as getting a shot off against anyone, he can do that. No problem. Now, that's something that other players can't do. Clay Thompson, you know, he struggles getting his own shot off. But and there's a lot of other great players who struggle getting their own shot off. Not Leonard. And when he when he wants to get his shot off, he will get it, and it will be a good shot. And no one will block it or give him any type of serious impediment whatsoever. And he shoots about ninety percent, eighty eight percent from the from the free throw line, eighty six percent from the free throw line. So another indication that he works his butt off. He works. And from the from the field, you know, forty nine percent. You would have never thought that years ago when he started in the NBA, that he would be able to shoot such a, a respectable per- percentage. And he has improved his game throughout. He has improved his rebounding. I mean, he was getting about five or six rebounds a game. Now he's getting well over seven a game. His assists, he's, he's improved that. He's getting about five assists a game now. He was getting one, two assists a game because that wasn't expected of him. He was he's a, kind of a role player when he was at San Antonio in those early years. Uh, yeah, he got his share of steals always. He got his share of blocks always. But, you know, he was kind of a, you know, wasn't, wasn't looked upon as being that type of player. Now he is the kind of player that you could say it's his team. It is his team. Lowry will say that. Toronto won because of Kawhi Leonard, not because of those other guys who were on a, you know, a good Toronto team. And the Clippers, it's his team. Now, if, if you want to think about that Paul guy for a minute, obviously last year will tell you don't think about that Paul guy for any minutes. But I think that Ka- Kawhi Leonard also would know, having gone through that experience of someone not carrying their load, that next year he's going to have to even get better because the rest of the West is getting better. Uh, the Lakers are getting better. Every team in the West is getting better. And God willing, we'll have a healthy Golden State Warrior team. So they know that it's not an automatic punch your ticket to the finals, at least in the Western finals for the Clippers. They're going to have to work their butts off. They got a new coach. They got a new system. They'll have a new system. It's going to be, you know, something that they have to wait and see. I say all that because I do like I do like Leonard, but you just can't take away the achievements of Steph Curry. And they, they are, you know, in every category, Gary better. You know, so that's when you look at it, you know, three championships are better than two. And you look at it, uh, you know, t- two MVP awards is better than not having any. And when you look at it uh, from the championship MVP awards in the finals, yes, you can give that to, to Leonard. But I think we all know that, you know, Steph should have had at least one, possibly two. Um, defensively, you're, yeah, I agree with you 100%. There's, there's, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better defensive 6'7 guy, 6'6, six, 6'7 six, six, guy than Kawhi Leonard. You have to maybe go back to Michael Jordan, quite frankly. I hate this to use his name because that's, you know, in a different category. But still, he is that outstanding of a of a defensive player. But not doesn't quite have the numbers of a Steph Curry yet. It's not like he can't, because he can. 
but at this point, he does not. And so that's why I do not have him as high as highly ranked as you would. But this 29-year-old is going to get much, much better as the years go by. He is rising like a rocket. Not the Houston Rockets. Didn't mean that. I don't want him to leave. <laughs> Look at the Clippers. But he is rising, rising very fast. Following three terms on the city council and three terms in Congress, former Congressman Gary Franks' consulting firm has helped scores of companies, large Fortune 500 firms, small businesses, and even startup companies secure millions of dollars in federal government contracts and international business opportunities. Congressman Franks, a Yale grad, author, Fortune 500 executive, and former visiting professor at Georgetown University, UVA, and Hampton University, will use his knowledge, experience, relationships, and strategic plan model to help you reach that next level of success. Schedule your participation in an upcoming webinar to learn just how Congressman Franks can help you. For more information, email gary at garyfranks.org now. Well, he does have one more year left on his contract, and I feel like this is another debate for another day between Kawhi Leonard and Steph Curry because it's very clear that you're not appreciating Kawhi Leonard at all. Uh, Steph Curry you know, is a phenomenal basketball player, but the issue with Steph Curry, and you saw it in the 2019 finals, obviously not last year's final, but the year mm-hmm. before, they were able to box and want him and take him out of the game because of his size. Mm-hmm. You can't do that to Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard's problem is all with his knees. You know, his can't yeah, stay healthy good, on good the court. Question. But if Kawhi Leonard's healthy, you can't stop Kawhi Leonard. And that's the difference between my top four guys and probably five to eight is that they may be unstoppable on one end of the court, but they're not unstoppable on both ends of the court. And Kawhi Leonard, you know, in this NBA, when they do a lot of pick and rolls and a lot of switching, you know, a lot of teams like what the Lakers are going to do this year is they're going to basically set picks until Steph Curry's on LeBron and, and they're just going to bully him. That's mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is that fair? No. But but you can't do that to Kawhi Leonard. They set picks to make sure that they don't have to be guarded by Kawhi Leonard. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I kind of disagree with you on the point about the playoffs, Gary, because when you look at a guy whose career playoff average is 26.5 points a game, no one has stopped Steph Curry. He's averaged 23 points a game in 13, 23 and 14, 28 and 15, 25 and 16, 28.1 and 17, 25.5 and 18, and 28.2 and 19. So no one is, you know, granted, they forced the ball out of his hands, but they follow him a lot and he shoots 95, 96% from the free throw line when they do that in the playoffs. Just a remarkable player. So I, I disagree with you. I think that uh, the, when, when it comes to a disappearing act or not carrying their load, I'm sorry. I don't care if he was hurt, sick, whatever. Leonard blew it. George was a total disaster. George was missing in action. If the old-time baseball period of the Yankees, Steinbrenner would have traded George. Okay, that, That's how badly he played in that playoff. Just because of the playoffs. Yeah, the Yankees had times in which the coach would win the American League Championship with a record number of wins and get fired <laughs> the same year. So when they had Steinbrenner as the, as the general manager, George would be gone because he was that terrible, that terrible. Leonard was not. I'm not going to say that he was that terrible, but you just have to be able to get your team over that hump and you got to win these games. And then it's as simple as that. And the percentage of times in which Golden State has has gone to the big dance, so to speak, They've come up. 
winners. And so from every perspective, I just, you know, he, I don't think that anyone has really stopped Steph Curry. You do see two people on him a lot, and he does have to get rid of the ball, but that's just playing smart basketball. That's not trying to dribble through, through two or three people. And he gets the ball back, and guess what he does? He scores. So, no, so I, I disagree with you there. Well, you're missing something that's very important. Steph Curry's had Kevin Durant at one point, and he had Klay Thompson on another point as well. Kawhi Leonard never had a player as good as Kevin Durant on his team. That's true. But I don't want to get that's on true. that. I don't want to get That's on true. that. Let's just end it like this. They both have something in common. They both blew 3-1. Yeah, wins. that's true as well. <laughs> and they were both the reasons why they blew the 3-1. Gary, <laughs> will, we will agree on that part. That, that is absolutely true. That's what the record would show as well, that they both blew 3-1. leads. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> so we're out of time for today. Don't forget to subscribe.